morning. How are we this morning? Good, there's your faces. I couldn't see you there for a minute. Now there you are. Well, I am so honored to be here to be able to talk to you about um, Joshua chapter 16 and 17. And um, I've just been really enjoying this series of Joshua. How many of you guys have been enjoying it? It's been so good. Amen. It has been. It's, I love that we can take a book that was written as like a historical book and we can read it and open it and know that it's the inspired, authoritative word of God and that it can be applied to our lives today. And I think Pastor Seth has done an amazing job of just bringing to life the stories throughout Joshua and how encouraging they've been to us today. Well, um, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Let's pray first. Lord, thank you for your goodness, that you are good all the time. And I just pray that you would just be with us the rest of this service as you already have, that you would um, empower me with this message, that your Holy Spirit would give me the words to say, and that you would prepare the hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we've been going through the book of Joshua, and we've started, it was a couple months ago, and we've been going through it, and I'm going to give you a little brief overview for those of you maybe who um, haven't been with us the whole journey, or this is your first Sunday, so I'm just going to give you a brief overview of what we have covered so far. So Joshua opens up with God establishing a covenant with Joshua after Moses' death. They had been wandering, in, the Israelites had been wandering in the desert for 40 plus years. They were ready to cross the Jordan and take the land that God had promised them. This was a land that God had promised them way back through Abraham, and it's about to come about. And God, Moses has died, and God is saying, okay, I'm going to raise up Joshua. This is your leader, and I am going to be with him. It says in Joshua 1, 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I had promised Moses. And then on verse 7 and 9, it says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. If you know, that is the theme throughout all of Joshua. God repeats it over and over again. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I am about to give you the land that I promised. I am faithful, but make sure you obey my word and do not stray from me. And we see this throughout the whole next 15 chapters of Joshua. We see this tension between the Lord's actions and Israel's actions. God brings them to a land. He says, here, this is yours. It's yours for the taking. Now take it. And Israel has to take it according to God's plans. We see this in um, chapter 6 with the battle of Jericho. And when they came up to Jericho, the walls were so high. And God says, it's yours. See, I have given it to you. But Israel had to take action. They had to take it. And they had to do it according to God's plans. And we see this again in chapter 8 with the city of Ai. God says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for I have delivered your hand into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Again, he is promising. He is saying, I'm with you. And he gives them instructions on how to take it, and they take it, and they are, they are victorious. And when they obey the Lord, he gives them victory. 
Chapter by chapter, we see this. We see this unique method of conquest. God announcing the victory, God giving them the victory after Israel steps out in faith and takes it. You see the pattern? We see this throughout all of Joshua, this overall theme. Be strong and courageous, for God has given you the inheritance he promised. Take hold of the promise and obey God. If you think I've repeated it a lot, I'm glad because I want you to get that in your head. That the Lord reminds us that we, he is with us wherever we go. Then it says at the end of chapter 11 that after all this fighting, the land had rest from war. So they had conquered the lands, they're resting, and now it's time to divide up the land. But God reminds Joshua at the, at the beginning of chapter 12, he says that there's still more land that needs to be conquered, but don't worry, I'll get, I've got that, I will drive them out. But right now, I want you to divide up the land that you've already conquered. And so that's what we've been focused on on the last few chapters is the land that has going out to all the different tribes. And now we're at chapter 16 and 17, and it's talking about the land that is given to the tribes of Joseph. Joseph was the son of one of the sons of Jacob, and he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And back when Jacob was alive and called all his sons in to bless them, he chose to bless Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and this is him fulfilling that promise by giving them the land. So they were two tribes about to receive one inheritance of land. So kind of keep that in mind. Now we're going to go to verse, chapter 16, verse 10, and I'm going to focus on a couple portions of scripture, right, at this point. And it says, they did not drive the Canaanites out of Gezer. This is referring to the land that was given to um, Ephraim. So the people of Gezer lived as slaves among the people of Ephraim to this day. And then referring to the um, tribe of Manasseh in chapter 17, verse 12, it says, Yet the Manassehites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that. But here we have the two tribes of Joseph that it points out here in God's word that they did not drive out the Canaanites from their land, but chose to keep them as slaves. So keep that in the back of your mind. Now, what I really want to talk about is a story within chapter 17. It's this little story that's placed there, and I feel like it's a story that we can learn from, and um, it's in chapter, 14, or chapter 17, verse 14. If you want to turn with me there, and we'll go ahead and start reading. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves. There in the land of the Perizzites and the Raphaites. The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron both those in Beth Shean and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Okay, so here we have two tribes 
that are strong and powerful, and they want to take over the land, but they don't feel like they have enough because they were only given one allotment for two tribes. So they're unhappy, and they go to Joseph, and they explain this situation, or to Joshua, sorry, and they explain this situation. They kind of start off, and this is me paraphrasing, they're saying, hey, Joshua, God has really blessed us. And we have so many people because of God's blessings. And the land that you've given us is just not enough. We need more. So what are you going to do about it, Joshua? How are you going to fix this problem? You notice their attitude here? It's not one of taking responsibility, but they're kind of complaining to Joshua and asking him to fix it. Now Joshua's response is, I agree with you. You're right. You are blessed by God. You do need more land. And he tells them, I'm going to give you more land. It's up in the forest right behind you. It's, you just need to clear it out, and it's yours. Take it for yourselves. Well, that wasn't good enough for the, the tribes of Joseph. They wanted more. And they said, well, that's not going to be enough. We need more. And they said, what we actually want is the plains down below because that's the better land. But it's occupied by the Canaanites, and they have big chariots. They're kind of like, yeah, we can't do this. That's their attitude. But then Joshua reminds them of who they are. He tells them, wait, you just told me that you were powerful and that you were numerous. So you can take the forested land and you can drive the Canaanites and have the plain country as well. You see, somewhere along the way, the tribes of Joseph forgot who they were. And they forgot that God had already claimed that that land was theirs and it was theirs for the taking. They became kind of lazy, complacent, and maybe afraid. They forgot the promises that, of God. So what can we learn from this story? Because I believe that we can look at God's word today and it, that we can apply it to our lives. And in this story, I like to look at um, three things that we can learn from this story. And first of all, it's, there was this inheritance that was theirs. They had this inheritance. It was the land that God had promised them, and it was theirs for the taking. And something was holding them back from claiming it as theirs. So I want to ask ourselves, what is our inheritance today? What is we, as believers in Jesus Christ today, what is our inheritance? What do we have that God has given us to claim? And I believe that this is found in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read it, but kind of in an abridged version. And this is what Paul says. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Amen. We have every spiritual blessing. But Paul goes on into greater detail to talk about what those blessings are. And this is what they are. That God loves us. He has chosen us to be holy and blameless in his presence. He has adopted us through his son, Jesus Christ, and this gives him great pleasure. We have redemption through Jesus' blood. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He has shown kindness to us. He has lavished on us wisdom and grace. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. He has chosen us, and we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That is ours. Amen. That is our inheritance. That is ours for the taking. In fact, in verse 11, it says this, we are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. This is our spiritual blessing. 
This is the inheritance that we have received. But sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we go through life and we kind of just trudge along, forgetting who we are. And we don't live life to the fullest as if we believed that we have received every spiritual blessing because of Jesus Christ. And I think that we can learn from the tribes of Joseph, tribes of Joseph three things that we can apply to our lives to help us to live in the fullness of Christ. The first one is, is we need to change our perspective. We need to refocus. The tribes of jo- Joseph recognized God's blessings. Remember, they said, we are blessed by God, and because of that, we're numerous. But when it came time to take what was rightfully theirs, they couldn't see past the trees in front of them, literally. All they could see was the negative. Joshua said, it's yours, take it. But it's going to take some effort in it to obtain it, but it is yours. You see, their focus was on the obstacles in front of them instead of believing that with the Lord's help, they could take the land. And how many of us cannot see the blessings right in front of us because our focus is on the debris that's hindering our vision? I believe that once we declare all the barriers that keep us from seeing the blessings of God, the inheritance that he has for us, we can refocus and we can claim what God has already given us. We must be able to see the possibilities of the future and imagine ourselves taking part in the promises that God has for us. So once we have the right focus and the right perspective, then we are to take action. We are to take what's rightfully ours. The tribes of Joseph, they wanted more land, and Joseph agreed with them, but he also encouraged them to take it. Contrast their approach to Joshua versus Caleb's approach back in in chapter 14, if you remember that. Caleb wanted some land, too, that was rightfully his. And he went to Joseph, uh, to Joshua. Joshua and Joseph, man, two tongue twisters trying to talk about that in this sermon. But he went to Joshua, and he asked him, I want this hill country. And you know what? He kind of, he admitted, I'm old, but I still got it, is what he said. I'm old, and I can do it. And he also said, these cities are large and fortified. He recognized what was there, but this is his response. He said, but with the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Amen. Amen. His focus was on God. He remembered that God would promise promised him that land and that God would drive out the enemies. You see, Caleb, he took initiative. The tribes of Joseph did not. Caleb confronted Joshua with a plan. Yet Joshua was the one who had to confront the tribes of Joseph with a plan to take initiative. But I love how Joshua responds to them. He doesn't berate them. He doesn't belittle them. He encourages them. He reminds them of what they already confessed earlier. You are powerful. You are numerous. And you can drive out the Canaanites. Just do it. Do it. So you see, Joshua and Caleb, they are really cool dudes if you think about it. Because they were the two spies way back when when God first wanted to give them the land, and they went out and sent the land with 12 spies. They went out and to look at it, and they came back, and Joshua and Caleb were the two that had the good report. Even back then, they had faith in God, and they knew that God could give it to them. And I love it that 40-plus years later, they're still strong in their faith. They're still believing that God can give them the land. And how many of us know that God has given us so much more 
but there's something holding us back from taking it. Maybe we don't feel strong enough, or maybe we don't feel good enough, or maybe we're just tired and we want somebody else to do it for us. We, can, we don't know why the tribes of Joseph were kind of complacent. We can make guesses. Maybe they were tired of fighting. They had been fighting a lot. Or maybe they just felt like they deserved the land and without any effort on their own, and it was just supposed to be given to them. You remember the land was at rest for more, so maybe they were just enjoying their rest a little bit too much and were not ready to go back to work. It's really easy for me to relate to the tribes of Joseph because I've been there. I've been in that place where I just don't want to keep on going. I, don't, I want the easy route. I want to have somebody else do it. I don't want to forgive that person that hurt me so bad. God, can't you just remove them for me? But remember, God wants us to take action. We often ask God, please make me stronger. Please provide for my finances. Please heal my marriage. Please make me more like you. But are we willing to pay the price for what we ask for? Are we willing to go through the trials that make us stronger? Are we willing to trust God with our finances and pay tithe? Are we willing to die to our own selfish desires and put our spouse first so that our marriage could grow stronger? And are we willing to suffer to become more like Christ? Because that's how we become like him. You see, the forest land was there for the tribes of Joseph, but it would involve some work, it would involve some pain, it would involve some cuts and bruises in order to obtain it. But it's in the pain and the suffering that our character is purified and our faith is tested and strengthened. James 1, 2 through 3 in the Passion Translation says it like this. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. We get joy in the suffering. There's a saying that says, never trust anyone who doesn't walk with a limp. Because we know that those who've gone through a lot have, are the, have the most character, right? They're the most refined. There's this story of, that I'd like to share with you about an experience that I had. Nathan and I were married, and um, we took our uh, honeymoon to Oregon. Let me just give you a little background. My husband is very outdoor, outdoorsy, and he's extreme. He likes to do the extreme. If you guys didn't see him and Pastor Seth and Pastor Jed went camping in the snow. I don't know why. I guess just to prove that they could do it. But I was initiated into my marriage with Nathan on our honeymoon, and we went to Bend, Oregon to go um, camping and hiking. And there's this uh, series of mountains there called the Three Sisters. And one of the mountains is called the South Sister, and Nathan wanted to climb it. And he said, let's hike it. It's just a day hike. You can do it. Now, mind you, I never did any of that before I met Nathan at all. I think I just sat on my couch. But we did this, and he's like, I'm thinking, okay, day hike. I can do this. I've hiked the foothills of Ogden. I can handle this. Well, we get in two hours in, and I'm like, this is not a day hike. This is way more extreme. And I was not in shape, and I was in a lot of pain and agony, but I was determined to do it. And I asked Nate, okay, Nate, where's, where's the end? Where's the, where, how far do we go? And he points right up there. See that peak right there? That's where we got to go. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Get my eye on the goal, right? 
and so we do it, and we're getting there, and we're getting there, and I think I'm almost there. I'm, I can do this. And we get to that peak, and it's a false peak. Do you guys know what that is? If you're hikers, it's like it's not the end is what it means. There's a whole nother peak to, uh, to climb that you don't see because your vision doesn't see it until you get to that part. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. And I just, I literally was like, I can't, I can't go on anymore. And the great encourager that he is, yes, you can, Johanna, you can do it. I'm like, no, I can't. And he's like, okay, well, then you stay here. I'm going to keep going. I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to get left behind. So he, I just said, okay, I can. Because Nate said I could, I can do it. So we did, and it was slow, and it was painful, and it was agonizing, but it was worth it. Because when we got to the top, the view was amazing. The sense of accomplishment that I didn't give up was amazing. And I think, what if I had given up and didn't keep going? And that's what it is. We can't give up when, it's not, when there's still more to be claimed. we got to take what's rightfully ours. And then, once we have the right perspective and we take action, this is the important thing. We clean house. We kick the enemy out right? That's right. We don't let the enemy stay camped in our territory. You see, Joshua told them, kick out the Canaanites. He didn't tell them, keep them there and just keep them as slaves. No, he said, kick them out, but they failed to do so. If you remember earlier, when I told you to remember this verse, it says that when they grew stronger, they kept them around as slaves. But was that God's original plan for them? No, that was not what God wanted them to do. He wanted to drive them out. Why? Because he knew that if they kept them around, even as slaves, they would become a snare and a hindrance in their relationship with God. You see, at the end of Joshua in chapter 23, God said this to the Israelites, but if you turn away and you ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and you associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. They will become whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Wow, that's pretty powerful language. You see, God wanted only the best for Israel. He went before them. He established this. He said, this is your inheritance. This is your land. It's yours. He didn't say just part of it. He said all of it. He did not want them to keep the enemy around, even as slaves, because he did not want them to become ensnared by them. And you see, God wants only the best for us, too. He doesn't want us living this life that he has given us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, with the enemy still having some claim to our inheritance. He does not want the enemy around to rob us of the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. So what are we allowing into our lives? What are we allowing? What enemy are we are allowing into our homes and into our minds? What is taking residence that God is saying, get it out? Maybe it's a sin that we're holding on to. We want to be set free from it, but we desire it, so we still keep it around. We tell ourselves, I got control, but in fact, it's controlling us. God says, no, that's not my plan for you. God wants us to be free from the bondages that keep us captive. He came to give us complete freedom. Galatians 5.1 says it like this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again 
by a yoke of slavery. Jesus didn't just come to save us from some of our sins. He came to save us from every single sin. And he didn't come to just set us free partially, but fully. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin, but if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I'm here to tell you that don't let that sin in. Let it go. Release it to Jesus. He's forgiven it. He's redeemed it. Don't hold on to it. That another way that we can allow the enemy into our lives is that we can let him tell us, we can let him into our territory by listening to his lies. I think that's more, something we do more often than not. We develop this mindset that is contrary to God's truth. We say things like, I can't give up this addiction. It's just too big for me. Or I can never experience peace, peace because fear is just too great. Or I have to worry about this situation because if I don't worry, I don't feel like I'm in control. But God says, no, that's not my plan for you. That's not what I want from you. Satan wants to come in to rob, to kill, to destroy. He does not want us to live in the fullness of Christ. His goal is to cause us to doubt God and ourselves. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Just get him out. Get him out. And believe that God has given you the faith to overcome the enemy. Take up that shield of faith. Fight against Satan who only wants to destroy you. Don't give him a foothold. Don't even give him an inch of your inheritance. Don't let him into your family. Don't let him into your marriage. Don't let him into your health, into your mind, into your finances. Kick him out. Kick him all the way out. There's this old song from the 90s. I don't know if you remember, but it says that Satan is under my feet. He's under my feet. You just believe that. He's under your feet. He does not need to be in your inheritance. He does not need to be where God has already said, I have claimed this for you. I have given you new life. Change your perspective. Live in the freedom that God has already declared for you. Take hold of the promise and fight for what is rightfully yours and kick the enemy out. Don't settle for less than what God has predestined for you. You know, I, Seth asked me to preach this sermon a few weeks ago, and I didn't even read what Joshua 16 and 17 was. But up until that point, I just, and I know we've all been there, where we just feel those attacks from Satan, where he comes in and he says, you don't, I don't even know why you're, you're preaching, Johanna. You know, why do you think you have the right to get up there and speak to those people? You don't even, you, you're, you're not worth it. You're not worthy. And those things come against us on a daily basis, thinking we can't do what God has called us to do. And I, and there are times where I just feel so inadequate. And I remember feeling, expressing this to my parents a few months ago. And my dad says, you need to read Ephesians chapter 1, child. <laughs> and believe it. And it's true. We need to believe that we have this beautiful and glorious inheritance that is ours. It's sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness for sins. We are not to be slaves to fear or to the lies of Satan. We don't. We kick them out. We take captive every thought, and we make it obedience to, obedient to Christ. 
I just want to let you know today, I want to, if there's one thing that I could encourage you today with, is that you remember who you are. And that you too, like my dad told me, read Ephesians chapter 1 every day. Read it and believe it and claim it for your life, for your, for your marriage, for your children, for everything that you feel like Satan is coming in and trying to take away from you. Remember, remember who you are. Remember that you are chosen, that you are forgiven, that you are, have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You know, I can, I just watched the movie, um, what was it again? Christopher Robin, just recently. And it's funny because I can really relate to Eeyore. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen him. But I tend to have that personality and where I just kind of, oh, what was me? Just ask my husband. <laughs> but I don't want to live like that. And you know, as Christians, we should not be living like that. As Christians, we should be walking around knowing who we are in Christ. We should be living victoriously. We should be having joy in the Holy Spirit because of what is ours. Don't we want that? Yes. Do you want it? Because I know I do. I don't want to be with Eeyore anymore. <laughs> right? And I believe that we can. And I know that if we can just live it and believe it and kick the enemy out, we change our focus, we take action, and we just live to the fullness of what God has for us. I believe that for all of us. All right, let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray over you guys. So I don't know, maybe you're here today, and maybe some of you, you're feeling a little bit like some of the things that I talked about. Maybe it's the focus. Maybe you need to rechange your focus and get more on believing what God has for you. And maybe you're here and you just know what God has for you, but you're just, there's something holding you back from taking action. And I want to pray for you in that, that, that you would just take a step out in faith. And maybe you're here and you just need to kick Satan out. You just need to tell him, get out. Get out of my mind. Get out of this, this, this family that you're trying to destroy. I just want to pray, and I want you guys to know that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I just want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that no matter how many times we mess up, how many times we fail, or how many times we forget, you're there. And you're there interceding for us in heaven. And you're there championing us on. And I just pray for everybody here. That whatever they're going through, whatever trial they're in, or whatever place they are in their life, that you, Lord Jesus, would empower them. I pray that they would see you. They would see the future that you have for them. I pray that they would take action, Lord, and believe and step out in faith to take the inheritance that you have already claimed for them. And Lord, give them the faith to kick the enemy out. He's no longer welcome. He has no right to this territory in our lives. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't even know you yet, Lord, I just pray that they would turn their lives over to you. I pray, Lord God, that they would surrender to you and make you Lord of their life. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love us so much 
and that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And I just pray for everyone here that we would go forth today knowing who we are in you, knowing we have every spiritual blessing, and that we can have joy and unspeakable joy. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord's face shine upon you and give you grace and peace. Amen.